Hey, welcome back to a brand new episode of Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking. We're on episode three of our Colossians series. So we've gone through the first and second chapters of Colossians. If you missed those two, check them out on the podcast or watch them on YouTube and catch up here as we start episode three. But you don't have to. You don't need to go leave here. If you want to just start now, start now. On episode 3, in Colossians 3, it talks about having a Christian household, forgiving each other, uh, living a new life in Christ. It's a great chapter. You're going to enjoy it. I guarantee it. So get a cup of coffee, grab your Bible, and follow along here on Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking. Let's do this. All right, welcome back to uh, the brand new episode of uh, Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking. Regardless of where you're finding us today, whether you're live on the recording on Instagram, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on the podcast, I am grateful that you've joined me today. So we're in the middle of our Colossians study here. Uh, this is Colossians 3. It's got some good verses in it, chock full of uh, living in the new life, uh, talking about instructions for a Christian household. We're going to dig into that in a minute. It's probably not exactly what you're thinking, but it's interesting uh, kind of section. I love to read that section, but we're going to uh, get going here in just a second. If you like my uh, hoodie sweatshirt, uh, maybe you're listening to this, you can't see it, uh, but check everything we have out on the store at uh, livingchristian.org. You can use the code PODCAST20 at uh, checkout and get 20% off anytime. All the time. Uh, while you're there, sign up for my newsletter. Uh, so we do a weekly newsletter on Wednesdays. I don't bug you guys all the time, but I do send out a little devotional and encouragement on Wednesdays, typically Wednesday mornings. Uh, but sign, the, uh, sign up for that newsletter as well on livingchristian.org. Uh, <clears throat> while you're there, read some Bible verses, uh, read a blog, uh, buy a t-shirt, whatever you want to do. we got lots of resources there for everybody on livingchristian.org is my website. So thanks for that. Uh, so, so far we've uh, dug into Colossians 1 and 2. So if you haven't, uh, if you missed those two episodes, make sure you go back and listen to them or watch them on YouTube. We talked about, this is a letter from Paul for those who need to catch up. The letter from Paul uh, to the this church at Colossae. So what Paul is in prison in Rome, and he's been writing these letters to these churches that him and Timothy and others have established across the region, across, they scattered out. Uh, and so he has actually found his way to Rome in prison and has written these letters. And this is a letter to this church, kind of reminding them to refocus on Christ and make sure they're not falling back into kind of the old Jewish law ways of uh, viewing God, but really focusing on Jesus and uh, kind of moving forward with a new life in Christ and not an old life based on the rules. So today we talk about that new life. We talk about forgiveness and we talk about kind of how we should be conducting ourselves as a family or a household uh, as uh, Christians. So uh, let's have a sip of coffee and let's dive into uh, Colossians 3, okay? All right, so let's just start reading, and we'll talk along the way as we normally do. So hopefully you guys uh, enjoy this. So living in the new life, since you have uh, been raised to to a uh, new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So even right there, Paul is going right into making sure your perspective is right in this life. Because what we need to be doing is not stressing so much about what the realities of today is and what we're you know working through in this world we need to be focusing on heaven we need to be focusing on Christ we need to be focusing on eternity okay think about the things of heaven not the things of earth this is all temporary that 
is eternal. We got to keep that perspective. I know it's hard. I know that times are tough at times. You know, sometimes in our lives we have challenges. We have health challenges, emotional challenges, <clears throat> financial challenges. I know things can be tough, but if you just listen to Paul's words here, uh, you'll get through everything that you're working on and dealing with right now if you just focus on heaven and eternity and Jesus. I promise you. Verse 3, for you died in this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. Okay, this is talking about being born again with a new life in Christ. Verse 4, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Talking about, he's already foreshadowing, you know, one day when Jesus is revealed again, uh, as talked about in the book of Revelation, when Jesus comes back, and when he is revealed to the whole world, revealed is the key word, that's where we get the, the book of Revelation, okay? Uh, Christ is revealed to the world. Uh, we will share in all his glory. We will be standing there in the Lord's army, and we will reap all the rewards and, and what that means. So verse 5, <clears throat> so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Okay, this is, we're going to get into what those, uh, those sinful things are. Here's some instructions from Paul that we need to focus on and have nothing to do with. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping things, worshiping the things of this world. So he leads off of, hey, you know, you're a new life in Christ. Christ is your life. And because of that, you are born again, right? Talking about being born again. You've died from this life, okay? Now, because you're born again Christian, because you have Christ inside of you, because the Holy Spirit has filled you up, what are things you don't need to do? And he kicks off right at the beginning with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Talking about that emotional um, kind of, uh, I want what I want, and I don't want to follow God. Right, because sexual morality, impurity, lust, and evil desires are all kind of emotional desires that pull at us, and the world definitely uses all those things to tempt us away from God. The world every single day tempts us and distracts us with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. A hundred percent of the time, no matter what your thoughts are on uh, kind of some social issues in this world, I promise you this, this world, our society, will try to use all those things to distract you from God. And I love the second part. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is idolater. Meaning, if you're greedy and all you are is trying to hoard stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, make money, and, 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 and kind of feed that hole inside of you because you want, 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 those things are going to become idols to you. Money is going to become idols to you. Verse 6, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. All right? Talking about the fall, talking about the sexual immorality, lust, evil desires, money, greed, all these things that the world tells you is okay, God says is not. And because of that, God isn't happy, okay? And verse 7, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. Verse 8, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Now, here's one that we don't hear about too often. So now is the time to get rid of those emotional outbursts, anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, talking about other people, and dirty language. Clean up your mouths, everybody. Like, God doesn't want to hear that stuff coming out of our mouths. Let's be honest with you. Words matter at times, and to God specifically, language matters. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't call it out. All right, don't lie to each other. 
For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Deeds. Put your on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> excuse me. If you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or not, or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. So what He's saying is, hey, you need to shed all these behaviors that are not Christ-like. They're not making God happy. Stop with the sexual immorality. Stop with the anger. Stop with the dirty language. Stop with I, you know, the greed and focus on your life and become more like our Creator. Right? Be renewed. Be born again. Uh, change your mindset. And it doesn't matter where you've come from. Right? You're, were you previously a Jew, a Gentile, uh, circumcised? Not whether you were uncivilized, whether you were a slave, whether you were free, it doesn't matter where you came from. Christ is all that matters, and now he lives in all of us. All right, sip of coffee, and let's continue on 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, I love that, since God chose you, that I know we have to accept Christ, but God chose us to be in that position, right? God chose us to say, hey, I love you, and I'm going to give you every opportunity to love me back. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. Now, now I'm sorry to pause, but now Paul's talking about, hey, here are all the things you shouldn't do. Now I'm going to talk about the things you should do. Here's how you should act as a Christ follower. Sorry. Uh, you must clothe, clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love 13. I have it highlighted in my Bible. I encourage you to do it as well. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Ooh, talking about, that's a tough one to swallow at times. I know it is, okay? But that is how we need to be acting. We need to get rid of all the things that Paul talked about, and we need to approach this life and approach our day-to-day -day interactions with mercy, kindness, humility, and most importantly, Forgiveness. That's what he's talking about in 13. We, uh, it's, it's hard, I know, but I promise you, I don't know who you need to forgive today. I know we all have somebody to forgive. And I promise you, forgiveness means more to you almost than it does the person you're forgiving. Uh, but uh, he instructs us to do that, obviously, because he has forgiven us. Verse 14, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the place that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So I'm going to I'm going to highlight this really quick because it, it, it's important to the next section. <clears throat> For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. What he's setting up here is the fact that we are one body of Christ. OK, we're the church. OK, it talks about a lot in the New Testament. If you're unfamiliar uh, Christ is the is the bridegroom in the, in our relationship, and we are the bride. We are the body of Christ. We are one as a church, not a physical building, not a denomination. All that stuff is here. What he's talking about is a body of Christ, a a group of people who are unified by being focused and serving the Lord, by being focusing and following. Jesus, okay? That is what he's talking about here as he talks about for the members of one body. We are one body. We are united, okay? That's important. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Uh, verse 16, let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom 
he gives. This is some instructions as the body of Christ here. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to thank to God and with thankful hearts. He's instructing us, <clears throat> excuse me, how to act as a body of Christ, as the church. We need to fill our lives uh, with all the richness. We need to teach each other, and we need to sing praises and hymns. Uh, you know, being thankful and praising God. And verse seventeen. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representation of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks with Him to God the Father. So whatever you do in this life, on this earth, we are representatives of Christ, okay? Now, I saw a uh, Facebook post yesterday by a buddy of mine who posted something along the lines that 1% of Christians, uh, you know, get exposed to Christ through the Bible, and 99% of Christians get exposed to other people, to the other 1%. So uh, most of the time, uh, there are a lot of people in your lives, I guarantee you, that you may be the most uh, frequently exposure to Christ that they know. Maybe they're not reading their Bible every day. Maybe they're not going to a church. Maybe they're not praying enough, but they're seeing and watching you. So if we all acted as what 17 talks about, being a representative of Lord Jesus, if we are a reflection of Jesus in our world, in our lives, imagine the impact that that would make, okay? Now, the next section is called Instructions for a Christian Household. I'm going to back up. I'm going to read 17 one more time because it's very important to kind of go into this section with that mindset, okay? Have some coffee first. I need coffee. So let's read that one more time, and then we'll just kind of flow into 17 through 18. I think sometimes our Bibles have breaks that uh, make it challenging uh, at times to kind of remember uh, and, and have the right mindset as we're reading. So, in whatsoever you do or say, do it as a representative of Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So, as we step into the instructions, think about what that just said. We are supposed to be a representative of Christ. We're supposed to be acting like Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He forgives us. He treats us well. Uh, he, he, he loves us. He sacrifices for us. He obeys God the Father. He does all these things, right? Remember, he even washed the feet of his disciples, right? He has a, a, a different mentality and an approach. So with that mindset of us being a representative of Christ, let's flow into the next part. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Let's talk about wives, husbands, children, and slaves. So wives, submit to your husbands as it's fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Now, going into the mindset of us being represent, representatives of Jesus, we just talked about the one body of Christ. This all flows together in two paragraphs here. Okay? So, as I mentioned, many places in the Bible, Jesus is described as the bridegroom, and we are described as the bride. We are the bride of Christ. We are the wife of Christ in that language. And what do we need to do? in heaven and eternally and through our faith, is submit to Jesus, right? Because he's shown us how to submit, uh, washing the feet of his disciples, doing what you know the God the Father asked him to do, serving his disciples and everybody else. He sacrificed himself for us, okay? So let's read that one more time. Wives, on earth, submit to your husbands. It's not about doing whatever I say or whatever your husband says. It's about that relationship that you love your husband so much that you're willing to sacrifice and do things for him. Now, counter that with 19, husbands love your wives and never treat them harshly. That's the instructions for me. You're supposed to love your spouse. You're supposed to love your wife so much 
that you never treat her harshly, that you want the best for her, that you prop her up, that you treat her with respect and the love that she deserves. Now, correlate that to that relationship we talked about with God the Father and the, and the church and the bridegroom and all that stuff, right? Jesus is the husband in that bridegroom-bride uh, relationship. That's the holy, eternal one. And he loves us so much as the bridegroom that he doesn't treat us harshly. See how they correlate a little bit? Now, children... Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. This is the instructions to the children, right? And Jesus is the Son of God. And what did he do here on earth? He submitted and obeyed the Father in heaven. He prayed to God their Father. And there's a time when he was in the garden that he kind of wavered a little bit, not wanting to go on the cross. He was scared, not scared, Jesus wasn't scared, but he was you know, thinking about if there was another way, uh, and he obeyed his Father, uh, God in heaven, as he told him, this is the way, this is the plan, this is what we have laid out. So he was a representative of obeying your parents, so to speak, obeying the God the Father. Therefore, us as children of God, we need to obey God. We need to obey Jesus. Right, that's the the eternal part of that. On the reality part of it, yes, of course, our children are supposed to obey us. We have a lot more wisdom and knowledge than they do, so let us lead them. Right, um, and then the slaves. Let's talk about twenty-two. I'm going to read this entire section because it's all one big paragraph, and we're going to come back to it. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything that you do. Try to please them with all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent. Fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, and through uh, and through you were working for the Lord, oh, as though you were working through the Lord rather than for people. Verse 24, remember that the Lord will give you inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. Verse 25, but if you do <clears throat> what is wrong, you will be paid back for all your wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. So now that's a big section that he included. The other ones are pretty short. So if, we, if you read it in the perspective of the bride and the bridegroom and the God and the Father and the Son and us as children of the Lord and all that stuff, he's not talking about slaves like we think of slaves back in the day. Uh, we have a pretty rough history at the beginning of our country here in America with that issue. Slaves at that time mostly were kind of working off of debts. Uh, they were less of uh, kind of bound up slaves to where they were captured and forced to work. Uh, it was a little bit weird of a relationship, more of a, not an indentured servitude, but almost more of like, hey, I do things and I have to work off my debt. And that's how they were treated back in the days, right? So what is he saying here? If you read here at the verse 24, is talking about your master, the master you are serving is Christ. Going back to that representation of Christ in this world, he wants us to obey and serve even the people that we work for, even the people that we owe debts to, if that makes sense. All right? That's what he's talking about here. Obey your earthly masters as everything you do. Try to please them. You need to please the people and work hard and be a good representation to the people that you owe debts to, that you're working for, that you uh, uh, you know kind of are subservient to. Okay, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about what we consider modern day slavery. It's it's not what it was talking about back thousands of years ago. It's a different context. But what he's really talking about is that as you read this entire section. 
he's not he's talking to wives and husbands and children as well, but it's also a uh, kind of a metaphor for how God and Jesus views us and how we are representatives of Christ and how we need to live like Christ. That makes sense. So as being a good uh, viewpoint of Christ, we need to submit to uh, you know to Jesus. We need to love everyone. We need to obey our parents and our elders. We need to work hard and do and work off debts and all those things. So that's what that's talking about here. So try don't try to get it misconstrued a little bit. It's uh, it's easy to use that modern day language, uh, and in in some ways it is instructing us on how to act with each other. But in reality, it is certainly trying to instruct us to live like. Jesus. All right. That's Colossians 3. Hopefully you guys liked it. That was a long one today. It's like 20 minutes. Uh, so let's take a couple of questions. Uh, this is the time of the episode where I answer a few questions. So if you're live with me here on Instagram, make sure you put your question on the bottom and I'll answer a few of them, whether they're about Colossians 3 or about anything. Okay. I'll try to knock out a few. And don't put them in the comments. I apologize, guys. It goes by so fast. I can't read them all. Okay. I got a bunch in here. Okay, if your parents are, I'll read the top one. You know, you know, guys. Regardless of how hard the top one is, I always like to read it. Uh, what if your parents are abusive? Do you still have to obey? You have to understand what he's, what Paul's talking about here. In in some aspects, a, a family unit, uh, the way God made the family unit, uh, which was father, or father, which was husband, wife, children. Uh, that's the way he talked about it, even far back as Genesis, and that collective kind of Christian household <clears throat> that he wants us to live. In that scenario, your parents would not be abusive. Uh, but unfortunately, they obviously have been pulled uh, into this world and been distracted and uh, pulled away from faith. So obviously, uh, you know, what God wants us to obey our parents. He's not in the sense of like, hey, if you're being abusive and they tell you you have to be abused and you have to obey them, that's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about is being kind of serving uh, your parents, serving God the Father. That's what he's really talking about, if that makes sense. Uh, obviously, in a, in, a, in, a, in a family unit that we want it to be, that God wants it to be, uh, absolutely you would obey your parents. But unfortunately, in this fallen world, that's not always easy. So I apologize if uh, that's happening to you. I'm praying for you as well. Okay, let's scroll through. Uh, uh, let's scroll through a few of these. I've got a bunch in here, so I apologize if I don't get to all of them. Okay, what's your denominational background from Heidi? Um, yeah, I'll talk about this. I talked about it a little bit in the Q and A uh, earlier in the week. If you missed that on my Instagram stories, uh, I grew up Southern Baptist, uh, King James, and all that stuff. And the uh, and for those that are not in the United States. Uh, Southern Baptist is, uh, it's Baptist. We just had our own, uh, you know, kind of take on it <laughs> in the Southern way. Uh, but that's what I grew up. Uh, you know, now I've been non-denominational, uh, for a uh, long time, actually. So we went to Baptist. I've been to Lutheran churches for a few years. Uh, I went to a Catholic church for a little while while I was dating a girl in college. Uh, so I've got a lot of exposure to the different denominations. And that probably led me to, uh, quite frankly, be a non-denominational type person. Our church is strictly Bible-based. Uh, we teach out of the Bible, and we talk about the Bible. We love Jesus, and, and uh, we're biblically based, and that's what I'm looking for. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, I think uh, most of the denominations, uh, you know, we're all kind of fractions of or factors of Christianity. I just think that we have different ways of going about it, and we have different uh, kind of um, uh, rituals and rules and traditions. Uh, and I think in the grand scheme of things, if you're uh, if you're God looking down 
and seeing his Christian body, as we just talked about, the body of Christ, you know, separated between Methodist and Baptist and non-denominational Catholic and yada, 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 uh, I'm sure he chuckles a little bit because uh, we're all supposed to be one family. So I try not to get too wrapped up in the denominations, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I'm a believer in Christ, and uh, we study the Bible, and uh, that's what I'm focused on. Uh, so that's why uh, I am a non-denominational Christian, so to speak. I guess if that's how you want to do it. Schedule of your live. We go live on Mondays and Fridays at 8 a.m. Central Time, which is uh, right now. Um, can you forgive someone who isn't sorry? Absolutely. Uh, it doesn't have that caveat in the Bible. I'll say this. <clears throat> the way that we just read in Colossians, it says to forgive uh, one another. It talks about because God has forgiven us. So let me let me ask you this. If God has forgiven us, are we all sorry for our actions? Do we uh, you know, feel sorry for every time we sin against God? Yeah, we need to repent, and we need to say we're sorry, and we need to go to Christ and go to God and ask for forgiveness for sure. But that's not con- he doesn't forgive us contingently based on the fact if we go and even recognize that we've done wrong or ask for forgiveness or say that we're sorry. So there's a lot of times people on this earth are not sorry for their actions, uh, but God loves them and forgives them anyways. That's how I view it, and that's what the Bible says. All right, one more, uh, one or two more questions. Let's see what we got here. Um, okay, so uh, uh, why are we supposed to prioritize sins like sexual, like no sexual immorality, as opposed to the shellfish or fabrics when Jesus sacrificed himself for our sins? Okay, uh, so let's. It's, it's a. It's, this is going to be a kind of a meaty answer. I apologize, but this goes back to uh, old covenant and new covenant. Okay, so there's a reason why the Bible is broken up into two um, kind of two things: uh, Old Testament and New Testament. All right, so the Old Testament is the old covenant, all the stories based on how the world was before Jesus came here. Okay, and with that was all what had God had laid out initially thousands of years ago. New Testament, which is the Mosaic laws, the Moses laws, and then he also had all these rules in Deuteronomy and Numbers and all, you know, Leviticus, all these ceremonial laws that he wanted people to differentiate themselves from the rest of the world, right? No shellfish, no mixed fabric, no trimming your beard, all those things. We call those ceremonial laws in the sense of, okay, God was trying to give the Jewish people of time all these instructions to show them and to act differently from the rest of the world, okay? Like, hey, you are uh, a chosen people. If you want to be right with God, you need to abide by these ceremonial laws to show the world that you're different from them, right? Now, once Jesus came, we have a new covenant with God. No longer do we have to abide by those laws in order to earn our way to heaven. Now, Jesus is a sacrificial lamb. There's no more animal sacrifices because he was the last one in terms of, you know, sacrificial lamb. And now Jesus took that burden upon himself because we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. We were not strong enough to abide by all those laws. So now we have a new covenant with God, a new agreement with God that Jesus is the way. He's the sacrifice. He took the burdens upon himself. Okay. Now saying that, now the instructions from Paul is now that you've been accepted you know, by God, now that Jesus has sacrificed and saved you from your sins, and now you need to Act the way Jesus act. You are a representation of Christ on earth. And with that, you need to 
not have six-year-old morality, not have anger, rage. You need to forgive people. All the things we talked about today. It's not a ceremonial. It's the emotional to the core of who you are, not how you act. That makes sense? All right. So if I eat shellfish, that is an act that I take. It's not in my heart that I want to eat shrimp. So I no longer have to abide by those laws that differentiate myself from the rest of the world. Now I'm going to differentiate myself by acting like Christ. Okay, now we have that example that people have seen and written about in this world, which is Jesus Christ. He set an example of how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to obey and serve and forgive and love and all those things we've talked about. That is the new covenant, the new agreement, the new relationship with God. That's why we have the two kind of sections of the Bible broken up. Told you that was a long answer, but that's the truth. That's how I read it. That's the way the Bible says it. Okay? There you go. That's your answer. All right? All right, so I have a a quick uh, sip of coffee, and then we'll pray and go about our weekend. I can't believe it's Friday already. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together today. Thank you so much for leading us into the Word of Colossians 3, the instructions that you're giving us, the explanations that you're giving us to understand how we're supposed to act now as a representation of Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, born again, and how we are a mirror of you here on this earth, Lord. We love you so much, and we struggle with this, so we need your guidance, we need your strength, we need your wisdom to help us act the way we want to act, and you've written it right there, in Colossians 3. I'm praying for everybody watching or listening to this today that they absorb that word and understand what you're telling us today and and can live through that and change their lives and forgive people without worrying whether that person is sorry or not. Love people that they historically wouldn't love. Stay away from things like sexual morality and anger and sin. And, and I, I pray that the words that you have written and read to us today impact our lives and change us as we move forward as a representation of you, Lord. We love you so much, and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, have a great weekend. Thanks for joining me again for another episode. We'll get back together on Monday for Colossians 4, and we'll keep this train rolling, too. Uh, Next time, until next time, keep Jesus on your heart and forever on your mind. Love you guys. Talk to y'all soon.